0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. Okay, Shalom Aleichem, thank you very much. Every time on my phone um, I see a 305 number, I get very excited. I'm hoping it's the rabbi calling me to come to speak. Actually, this week I was asked to come this, this uh, Wednesday to speak in Cleveland. Um, in Minnesota, and in <laughs>
1: Miami. <laughs> <laughs> figure out,
0: uh, no, Chicago's a little bit later. It's um, a tough decision with Bukhashem. So this, there's a lot of things that I'd like to talk about tonight. Um, Bishvat is coming up. Um, this week's Parsha Um But I'd like to talk a little bit about the ocean, because I spent those, probably, I don't know if I got a little tangle, maybe a little red, um, <laughs> sitting by the ocean a little bit, and... Thinking a little bit about some of the things that um, the sun, the ocean, uh, there there happens to be a zoyar, a very um, interesting zoyar that talks about, thank you, Caroline, that talks about the waves, waves in the ocean. So, you Floridians, you see it all the time, but there's a zoyar that talks about the waves. Now, I, I spent some time at the water today, and every six seconds, there's another wave. I thought it was much more. It was like 20 seconds. Six seconds, six seconds, six seconds. They break, they break, they break. Isaiah says the following, Why are there waves? Why does the ocean have waves? And he says that when God created the world, so we know in Bereshit, it says that the world was all water. It was all water. And Hashem Marachepas, the ruch of Hashem, was wavering on top of the water. And then, what Hashem did is He separated the water and the earth, right? But in the beginning, all the earth was underneath the water. Right now, right? I don't know the percentage, 60%, 70% of the world is, is water? 70. Seven, 70%? 70% of the world is water? And the body too. The body also. Okay, when the body we're not going to talk about tonight. <laughs> but um, I'm sure there is, I'm sure it happens to be that a human being we're going very deep. The human being represents the whole world. Everything that's going on, 98.6 your temperature, everything that goes on in, in, in a person's body represents the world. So, yes, it's, a, a human being is mostly water. But underneath the ocean is land, right? You, you walk into the ocean, it's only a foot deep and two feet deep, and then it becomes 100 feet deep and deeper and deeper. But at the bottom of the water is land. So, the earth, before Shem, the the bottom of the water, the land was always here. The land was here, the water was on top of the land. It doesn't say, look in Mauritius, It doesn't say ever that God created water. This is very interesting. It doesn't say that God created land. It says that God separated the water and the land. So they were here before my separation. I'm not getting into how they were here before my separations, but they were here before my separations. So, Hashem separated the water and the land. And the water wants to go back to before life, Erechus. And it wants to conquer the world. It wants to go back to the desire. It wants to go back to the way it was before man. So the ocean is rushing the earth all the time. wave after wave after wave after wave. And he says something very fascinating. We know that everything in the world has a malach. has an angel. So every wave is an angel. Every six seconds has an angel. And the wave that comes in hits the sand. whole different shear about the sand. Every little grain, the importance of a person, the importance of one grain of sand gets in your eye, you forget about it. One grain of sand gets in your food, forget about it. And you have all these separate little grains of sand that hold back an ocean. It's a different shear. But the ocean itself, every six seconds, is, so he asks, he says, doesn't the angel of the wave that hit the, the beach and then got, goes back out tell the angel that's coming in it ain't happening? I tried, I didn't get anywhere, a couple inches. Why does it have to wait? Why does the angel, the next angel, even take a shot at it? Each angel that's coming back, Says that it didn't work. It doesn't work. We're not taking over the earth. It's not happening. Hashem's not destroying the world. It's not happening. So the Zerah says that it does. Every angel tells the next wave every six seconds. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. But the, the angel of the wave that's coming to the earth says something big. And this is the whole thing I want to talk about tonight. He says, just because you couldn't do it, doesn't mean I can't. So the next wave says, just because you couldn't do it doesn't mean I can't, and the next wave and you can stand there all day and watch thousands of waves that are being told forget about it, you don't have a shot, and the same thousands of waves is coming back and saying just because you couldn't do it I couldn't do it It's a Zio everything in God's creation is to teach the human being a lesson lesson number two so I'm laying in the sun today, and there's no sun. It's very, very hazy. And I'm like, if it's cloudy, I'm not going to get sunburned. But I heard someone say to the other person, you can get even more sunburned right. when it's cloudy than when it's not cloudy. I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't you don't feel the sun on your face, right? And the, te- the answer is that the power of the sun right through the clouds is what's burning your skin. And even though you don't see it, at the same time, it's affecting you and you need to put on sunscreen. The same thing it is, the same thing with Ruchnius. We don't realize, there's two missions that, that, that there are, that God says to the world, uh, people should be ashamed and don't learn Torah, whatever the basque calls are, that they're in the world, and they ask them, how come we don't hear it? How come every morning? It says, every morning, right? First, should be a shame. People who don't learn Torah. But I don't hear it, and you don't hear it. And the answer is, it's the same as the sun. Even though you don't see the sun, it, it's affecting you. Spirituality, positive, affects you. And negative, has Shalom Yisviva affects you you walk into a fish store, you don't buy the fish, you walk out, right? And you smell from fish. I remember many, many years ago that I was in Bloomingdale's, in Manhattan, And in Bloomingdale's Manhattan, you have to go walk through the makeup. is the first, the the perfume is the first floor (laughs) when you walk into the place. And I came home, my wife's like, what's going on? (laughs) Ty, what's going on? Your jacket smells from perfume, but it's not my perfume. And I'm like, I went to the men's section to buy a tie in Bloomingdale's. So even though you're not spraying any perfume on you, the effect of a fish store is going to smell from fish. And the effect of uh, going through a department that sells perfume, you're going to sell for perfume. The effect of laying in the sun, even though it's cloudy and hazy, it's going to burn your skin. The effect of spirituality, positive spirituality, is going to give you a positive spiritual being. And it has to show them, oh, I can do that, I can, I can, I can go. I have it all the time. I can be on my phone, I can go to the site so That they don't affect me, this doesn't affect me, nothing affects me. And it's just the opposite. Everything affects us. I was thinking about when I was in the sun. Now look at that. i got to protect myself from getting bright and I don't even see the sun. So, what I want to talk about is the waves. In the beginning of Pasha Shmos, Bajrima's comes to the Nile River and sees a basket and she puts out her hand, knowing that the basket is way beyond her reach. So, number one, she's your best power. She's not wishing her being. What did she think? Imagine if you walk by a lake, and there's someone in a boat screaming, help. And there's a lady standing on the edge of the lake with her hand out. You're like, Call a solid. Call a helicopter. Call the police. Call somebody. What are you doing? Something. What were you? You're putting your hand out. The boat's 300 yards in the middle of the lake. You should have are you standing there with your hand out? So why did she put her hand out? She knew she couldn't reach it. She wasn't gummy. She knew her hand wasn't going to stretch. So why put your hand out if you know that you can't reach the object? And. Moshe Abbeinu's name, which is a person's source, the source of who you are is your name. We know that from all every Shabbat got a name for a reason, right? So, Moshe Abbeinu's name, actually, the Hebrew name was Tuvia, Because he was born Tuyv, he was born good. And therefore his mother, Yochev, named him Tuvia. Along comes this Egyptian princess and names him Moshe. It's not, it's a big argument, it's even a Jewish name. Most of the rabbis say, that it was an Egyptian name. And Hashem says, Don't call him Tuvya, Tuvya, that he was born with a light. He was born with a brasmilla. He was born and didn't cry, He though most baby cried. Man, that's not important that he was born with a brasmilla. You know what's important? That she took him out of the water. That's more important than being warm with the breastfeel be being warm with a light? And the answer is absolutely yes. And I want to read for you inside Shmos, exactly how this went down. But take them up, I said, we like was standing from afar the day of Maya Eshalo to see what's going to happen. But take the Basparo, she went down. Lichad or she had sarash. She went to wash herself. She went to become a, 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 a geiras because she had to go to the mikvah. Whatever, there's many machlokes in why she went. But tevur is that table of sechassu, and she saw this little basket, a table, in the middle of the of the narm. But tishlach is a She sent down her hand, but she took it. But tiftach she opened. She did always was in the basket and the table. She opens it up. But teirayu is a yeleh, and she sees a little boy, a little baby. And then the passage says something contradictory. He named nar them And there was an older boy crying. Now this is his 12-year-old. Yell oh. is a little kid. But She had pity on this little baby. But She said, this must be a Jew. Now why do you think she knew this was a Jew? Because? she had a bris milah. No. Yosef put into the laws of Betrayim that every Egyptian had to have a bris milam forever. Every Egyptian. Every Egyptian. Every Egyptian had a bris milam. So, in fact, it says that when, when his brothers came close to him and he wanted to show them that he was Jewish, he showed him his bris milam, that everyone asked what he mean doesn't mean he, that he had a bris milam, doesn't mean anything. Everybody had a bris milam. It said, no, they saw in, 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 Kapa, in their Kabbalistic Guchakodes that he never did not hear with a bris milam. Everyone had a Bismillah. So opening up the basket and finding a baby in a Bismillah doesn't mean that you're a Jew. What? She knew that the
1: boy's are going to be thrown into the Nile.
0: So she knew there was, there was a basket in the Nile that it must be a Jew. But that's not what it says. It says she opened the basket, she saw the child, she had pity, and behold, he's a Jew. It would have said, I give me you your answer, it would have said, behold, he's a Jew. She opened the basket. It seems to be that when she opened the basket and the baby was crying, she realized it was a Jew. One of the most amazing, you have to repeat this, one of the most amazing I've ever heard in my life, is the answer to two questions. It says it was a yelling, it was a little child. Then it says it was a big boy crying. It doesn't make sense. So it says in many p'farshim that it wasn't Moshe that was crying that she saw a baby. He named Na There was an older boy crying. Who was that? i oh, we not coming. She said, if there's a brother that's crying for a brother, it has to be an Ivory. It has to be a Jew. So when she heard the crying of the Nah, she said Egyptian brothers don't cry for their brothers. But Jewish brothers do. And therefore I know... If there's a boy standing there crying... Because Aaron was very scared... He's only three years old... only three years old with the muncher. If he's crying because he's worried about what happened to his brother... It has to be a Jew... What a lesson... For all of us... If you're a Jew... Then you have to be crying... For our brethren... Whether... For people who are having a hard time having children... People who are sick, people who have problems with bias, kids that are off the deret. You see someone who's off the deret, I hear it all the time. Kids that are struggling, and like Robert Wallstein, I'm not in kirib, I don't know what to say. I'm an old guy, I'm a grandfather, what am I supposed to say? I'm a grandmother. So this girl is smoking on shalom, i over to her. what am I going to say? Who said you have to say anything? Find out their name. And in Shimon when you say, and Hashiveinu, and Slachmanu, say their name. And Hashem should give them the right dots. And ladies, when you light the candle for Shabbos, get the name of the kid who lives next door to you, and her mother's name, and dot it for her. Who said you need to be a And It must be if you dot it for somebody. So, this is a very, very big lesson. What happened at Bacha. Was an Egyptian realized that every single Jew cares about another Jew. Now let's go to this week's partial. Because this week's partial is a very fascinating. And I've spent a long time on this question in the many years that I'm teaching. So the Jews are stuck. Behind them are the Egyptians, in front of them, right, is, is the sea. They're stuck. What are they going to do? So it says the following. They come to Moshe Rabbeinu and they say to Moshe Rabbeinu, by his accommodation to Allah Hashem, they cry to Hashem, and they say, I'm really with triumph. You don't have enough graves in the triumph. You took us to the Midbar, Now we're stuck. Now we're going to get killed. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Don't worry. You're going to see a big Yeshua. Hashem's going to fight for you. And you, Tacharisha, you don't. Move. A pasuk that nobody understands. By and, and Hashem says to Moshe in a very harsh way, "Ma Titzak Alai? Why are you crying to me? Dabe El Ben Yisro, Yisol, Talk De Kli and go." It seems to be that a Kri Shvarahu is criticizing Moshe Rabbeinu. Says Rashi. He stood there and he was dominating to Hashem. What does a Jew do when you're in trouble? The Arabs are behind me, the Egyptians are lying. in front of me is the yam, we're stuck, the Jews are crying, because I'm taking out my Tehillim, what are you doing you're in trouble? And he's dominating. And Hashem says to him, what are you dominating for? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Why is Hashem criticizing him for dominating? The answer is, because Moshe Rabbeinu your name is coming at My name is you. Your name is about putting your hand out, even when it looks impossible. Your job is to put. I'll tell you a story about this. Your job is to put your hand out. It's God's job to make what has to happen happen. <speaking in Hebrew> says the Yavos. It's not for you to get the job done. You think that if you go to work, you're going to make money. You think in Kol Shachin, you're going to get a up You think in Go to the doctor, you're going to get better. You have to do what you have to do. But in the end, success, says the Mishnah, success is me, says God, not you. Your name is Moshe. Your name is based on a woman that did something that was impossible. What are you standing here now and dominating? You need to put your hand down. You need to take a step. You need to walk into the water. It's not your job to split the water. It's not your job to daven right now. It's your job to do a maizah. It's your job to do a maizah. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, tefillah, prayer, is not enough. This is what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu. What are you davening? Right now, davening is not enough. Why? Why was it fewer enough? Then the Shammai, and God had a big problem. God, God is MS and God was sitting on his of bin and the Malach of Mitzrayim said, He may the zara. he the The Jews are on the 49th level of Abayi Zarah and the Egyptians are on the 49th level of Abayi <laughs> I am not splitting! I am not splitting! I'm not, I'm not the to kind of split for the Jews. They didn't do tshuva. They're not any better. Look at them. They're crying, they're screaming, they're yelling. So Hashem said to I'm going to tell you a secret. I can't go into my Kisei of Rachman because of Yitzhak. Because the honest thing is, I don't have an, I don't have an answer to the sorrow right. So how could you force God? How could you force, how can everyone in this room do a miracle of Kriyasaf? How can you force God to do something even if he's in his Kisei of Din and he won't do it? And tefillah will not help. We know that tefillah, altogether is a wall, and only the shari the is only tears. And the answer is amazing. What happened by the yam? Nachshem ben Ami not Moshe ben went into the yam. Says to midrash that the water he went in so deep that the water was over his nose. He could not breathe. If he would have gone into the water up to his neck, wouldn't have split if would have gone up to the water and he could still breathe through his nose, it wouldn't have split. What did he do? He went against his teva. If, I, if my nose is under the water, I'm going to die. So I am willing to break my teva for you, HaKadosh Baruch. And everything that... God, it's a little deep. Everything that God does is midah, connected midah. So if I am willing to break my teva for you... And you, Mina Kenegmina, now I'm claiming Mina Kenegimida. You gotta break your tervah because of me. And Hashem has no choice. He has to break terrah. Because you have a taina, I'm doing this for you, you have to do this to me. And everything Hashem does is mean Midah. And therefore Hashem set a secret to Moshe, What are you screaming at me for? It's not gonna help. Tell Kai Israel, they have to go into the yam. They have to put their life in danger. They have to break terror And when the water went over his nose, the Yompsons. I always say it's fueling before I give a share. That you come out of my mouth what you need to hear, not what I need to say. Because it's not always the same. So it just reminds me of a story that I'm telling you. A story about a little boy. So he used to mumble. He used to talk to himself in Yeshiva a lot. <laughs> But one day the Rebbe called in the parents, he just was annoyed. The Rebbe called in the parents and he said to the parents, listen, I can't have your son in my class. A whole day he talks to himself, especially by recess and by lunch. He talks to himself. It's it, it just agitating me. And the mother and father say to the Rebbe, you know, that's very fascinating. We, Lord, he only did it at home. But he talks to himself at home too. We need to go to a therapist and find out why he's talking to himself and he's mumbling be agitating somebody walks around talking to themselves sometimes I give sure if I feel that way but not tonight <laughs> so you're a therapist you get to, to a therapist or else do you go this is written in a, in a book a called the Lein de alright you take the kid to a therapist and the therapist says to him, listen I want to know who you're talking to I heard that you're talking I want to know who you're talking to and I also want to know what you're telling them. He goes, I wish I could tell you, but it's a secret. She says, listen, the secret will stay between the two of us. It's always good to, you know, tell somebody, one person in the world. He goes, you promise you won't tell anyone else? She goes, yeah. He says, okay, I'll tell you a story. He said, my rabbi got up about a half a year ago. And he told a story about a lady and a man that went to Rav Chaim Kayinevsky, the Galahadur. He doesn't see women. <clears throat> they didn't have children for 12 years. And the wife told the husband, don't you come out of that room. I don't want a bracha. I want to have haftacha. I want a promise from Rav Chaim that we're going to have children. Don't come out of that room with a bracha. Okay? And the husband follows his wife. He comes in to Rav Chaim and he says, Rav Chaim, I have a shlichus, a message from my wife. We don't have children for 12 years. We've been trying. It's not happening. And we want to that the That the rupt says that we're going to have a child. And says, what do the doctors say? He says, the doctor say that I can't have children. He says, okay. So you need a little bit of an ace. Hashem can do anything. He says, but I can't give you a half on an ace. Ain't safe on an ace. You can't depend on a miracle. But I'll give you a brach. He goes, no, I can't. I can't come out of here with a bracha she's not going to talk to me anymore he says I can't give you a avtacha but find a person that got embarrassed in public and didn't answer the person who embarrassed them get a bracha from them I give you a avtacha if you get that we'll have a job so he comes out knew no, no what happened really really get to have to talk, about, but he said if we meet a person who will get embarrassed in public, what? What, are we going to find a person who get embarrassed in public? And that's something you can do on purpose. It's something you just do. And she's much angry at him. He says, I tried. Said he doesn't do miracles. Whatever. <laughs> Fine. She's upset at him. Another half year goes by. Nothing's happening. She goes to a wedding in bed, Abraham. Goes to a wedding and the girl, the kala's mother and father were divorced. And the mother, because whatever happened, was not invited to the wedding. She was not allowed to come to the wedding. Whatever. The mother decides she's coming anyway. She wants to have one dance with her daughter. So she comes into the dance. And the ex-mother-in-law is standing there. And starts ripping. How the de- ex-mother-in-law? How dare you come to this wedding? You destroyed my son's life and my granddaughter's life. Get out of here. You're not dancing with anyone. Screaming. Mama, like, not long. this poor woman is standing and said, just just let me have one dance. Dance? I'll call the And the police are going crazy and everyone's watching this. And this woman's all red-faced, the mother, and she starts to leave. And this this woman, who didn't have children now, 12 and a half years, she's like, oh my gosh, I never saw anyone get embarrassed like that. And she chases her out of the wedding hall. And this one thinks that someone from the family is chasing her. So she starts running down the street with the Bene Brach. The other one's following with the Bene She's like, no, no, I need a bracha, I need a bracha. Well, what? What do you mean just went through a bracha? She goes, It's a long story. Listen, I don't have children, it's 12 and a half years. Could you just give me a bracha that I should have a child? She goes, Who am I? I'm not even good enough to dance for my own daughter's wedding. I'm nobody. My bracha's worthless. She says, just give me a bracha. She goes, Okay, let me give you a bracha. She a bracha that next year at this time you should have a baby boy and many children after that and you should be healthy. And she like hugs her. And she gives her thank you so much. She goes, one the the lady who got embarrassed, she goes, listen, I'm a nobody. Rav is in the name She goes, it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Rav Chaim's <laughs> brother-in-law writes the story. Okay? A year later, the baby boy is born. Rav Chaim is the by the Bris. So the woman says to the little boy, okay, that's a fascinating story. I think I might have heard it. It's a pretty famous story. What does it have to do with you? He says, this is the part you can't tell
1: anyone.
0: He says, you know, my Rebbe, my Rebbe, every day puts up 10 names on the board to say to Hillen for. We say to Hillum, the whole class, I think, it was a sixth grader, and then we say the names. That it should be a forced labor for these people. I memorized every single name. And every time I recess that they don't choose me in and they embarrass me, I say those names under my breath. And every time by lunch nobody wants to sit next to me, I say those names under my breath. And when I go home and my sisters and brothers call me names, I say those are the names that I say underneath my breath. Do you want to know the names? You bit so Bettsara. He starts rattling off to this therapist. She goes, that's, that's amazing. He goes, I know, but you promise you won't tell anyone. She said, but if, if you let me tell anyone about the story, then the other kids are going to do the same thing. In the end, he lets. Well, this is the story. Where's this woman who just got thrown out of a wedding? And if you know the story, she was not invited to the wedding because she did something pretty wrong. And that's why she wasn't invited to the wedding. Where does this woman have the power? Greater than the Gadol When she gives a bracha, and a year later these people have a child, and the Gadol says, I can't do that. I can't give you a raha. And the answer is, midah, I was insulted. It's normal, if someone gets insulted and you don't answer back, what you're pretty much saying to everyone that's in the place, for rabbi, is that when the person who's insulting you is saying the truth, you didn't answer back. So if someone says, you stood for me, and the embarrassment in front of everyone, and you don't say I didn't, but when it, it? Everybody walks out and says, oh my God, he really stood for her." It's so hard not to answer back something. Just to sit there and take the embarrassment and not answer is breaking the natural being of a human being. And therefore, that woman, how do you like to say to Hashem, and her brother. that this, this man cannot have children. But in, in the normal world, he cannot have children. The doctors looked, they said, you cannot have children. He was created that he cannot have children. But because she broke her tevah, she broke her nature, God has to break the nature of this guy. And even though he was born naturally not to have children, the kinegen mida, because the wants has to break the tava of the person you understand the power that's sitting in this room? you understand that every person in this room has the ability to be bigger than the God of Not to answer back, I don't want to say your mother-in-law, but not to answer back people in your life that are giving you a hard time? Just to suck it up and not say a word back? Now let me tell you something. Listening to me speak in your heart, you're like, you know what? I know someone who has cancer. Next time someone insults me, I'm not going to answer back. And I'm going to ask Hashem to make a miracle The stage 4 to heal them. But I have to tell you, I speak about this a lot. And when it happens, even though you're preparing your head that I can do this, when it happens, you answer back. Otherwise, you all be walking around doing miracles every day. And you can't tell someone to insult you in public and make a deal. It's not the way it works. It's so hard when you're not ready for it. When you're not ready for it, I remember I'll tell you a story that happened to me in a shul in Flappers. Shul called Land House. I, I speak about all the time. I think I'm pretty worked out, right? Well, i in shul. There's a there's a Holocaust survivor that sits next to me by knocking. He's got numbers on his hand. An old man. Daven is unbelievable. Daven is very, you know, loud, whatever it is, but I, I like to sit next to him. He's a holocaust. His 2 are going up, and I figure he just hang in there with him, go up with him. You got to pick the guy who you stand next to. Him. Even if I don't deserve it, that's the only thing of a minion. You want to be the minion with a person like that, because the minion, even though you don't deserve it, all the 2 go up together. So, one day, this guy walks into show and he sits behind the two of us, and he's on his phone. He's talking on his phone. Which I'm all very mockery about because I don't have a cell phone. This is my cell phone. I have a flip phone. Smart people have stupid phones and stupid people have smartphones. You know, I know that I'm a smart person. Right? I don't have a smartphone. I have a stupid phone. It does, it does what it has to do. This guy walks in with a smartphone. Young guy behind us. He's talking during me, on his phone. A Holocaust survivor who's sitting next to me turns around. And says to him, Shh,
1: no, shh.
0: <laughs> this young punk, right? I didn't know if he knew that he was a hot This young punk says, You dive in where you have to dive in. I do what I have to do. I'm a cunning. Okay? It's like I wasn't the base of English, because the base of English, you have knives. I would cut this guy's head off on sweet you crazy. This man was through the Holocaust. He's diving to my shed. He stayed religious. You're on your phone. And you're telling him, you do what you want, I, wa- I do what I want. There was steam coming out of my ears. So I turned around and I said, You take your phone, you get out of this shoe now. Now he must have known who I was. And we're in the middle, we were up there, we were like by love it. in the middle of the avenue, full house, full house, shool's full, full. He turns to me and he goes, Oh, it's Rabbi Wallerstein! What are you doing here? Don't you only talk to women?
1: <laughs>
0: wow! You have no you don't know me. You have no idea I'm a hockey player. You have no idea. Now, here was my chance to save the world. If I just continue dominating, right? You insulted me, you couldn't have insulted me more than that. In front of everyone, right? Here's your chance, Wallace, you speak about it all the time. Oh, did I go crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, did I go I told him to not be curious. I said, you're taking- I-, I went crazy. I went crazy. I actually almost got into a fist fight because I took his towels and his toilet and I took it out of the stone ask. The whole place was rocking, the place was rolling. Maybe <laughs> a fist fight on the feet, whatever it was. And here was my chance. He was the best, the best embarrassment I ever had in my life. I could have saved the world, I could have worked with sheet! But when the blood starts running up the back of your neck, you see it? So so even though, even though we hear about it and we want to do it, it's very hard to, to break down. It's very hard with misa There's a lot of concepts that we learn when you get into it, you know, you get onto a plane. And on my way here, in jet blue, and they can make a an big announcement. If the oxygen mask comes down, put it on your face first. Then put it on your kid's face. Sure, the oxygen mask is coming down, and my little kid's sitting next to me, and I'm going to put it on my face first. I'm like, well, baby, I'm going to take care of you, right? And then get into position, right? When it comes from the plane, and 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 put your head down forward. Sure, we're going to listen. No one's going to listen. Who's gonna panic? And then sometimes they get that seat by the the what's it the called? They pick up seat, the and they're like, "Will you do what you have to do?" I'm like, "What do I have to do?" Well, you have to take that's why let kids kiss it. You have to pull the window out, right? And then you have to help everyone get out of the window to safety. I'm like, "Let me face something, made. If I pull that window out, I'm number one." <laughs> I mean, it's very good in concert. Just please take me take the Thank you, the We have to win.
1: Everybody, I'm out! all uh, uh, three
0: people are sitting there and are like, do you agree? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. you're <laughs> gone, Right? So, so many people in life, you give speeches and people have a concept. Oh, that's a great speech and I'm going to do it. But to really do it, you have to own it. You have to own it. And it's very hard to break your ego to the level that this person, this man, could not have children and he had children miracle. You, you get miracles. the miracles. person has to work on themselves. That's why Hashem was angry at Moshe and they him. He said, now you're standing here and davening? You're davening. you got to do something. Davening, I'm not going to be able to get off my, my kisei din. You want, you want me to, to split the yam? you got to go into the yam. You've got to go into the yam that's over your nose, that you cannot breathe. And that explains this puzzle. Otherwise, the puzzle makes no sense. You shouldn't daven. Of course you should dab it. Why are you yelling at me for daven? And the answer is, there's a time for David and there's a time for action. And if you want to do a miracle, then there has to be an action. Okay. That's well, a very, a very important point in, in, in this week's parashim. I want to talk a little bit about to and then I'll tell you a story about you got to do yours, and Hashem has to do his. And by the way, it, it's just a much easier way to live your life. At a certain point, you have to come to realization that you're not under control. As long as you're under control, you feel like you didn't do enough. I got shit up for my daughter. and I should have called this one. I should have called this one. I could have done. That, I could have done that. Have, you know. At that, at that point, you keep beating yourself up. I didn't do enough. I could. I, I didn't call enough. I didn't. You have to do something. But loy It's a very big mishnah. It's not for you to finish the job. The job is our Kodesh Baruch job to finish. So yes, you have to call Shachanim, you have to give him your name, you have to send the resume. That's it. Don't make yourself crazy. When nasa, don't make yourself crazy. Sometimes, not sometimes, always Hashem has a certain plan. And that plan is, you can't change it. And if you want to push to change, it? you can't force Hashem to do something that is not good for you. You can pray so hard that you could do You can get Hashem to do something. I'm, I'm the plastic bag I don't do this for a living. Everything that I do, Arnavah, girls, Kiru, teaching, rosh HaShem, its all my hobby. And I do that for God. But I have to make a living. So for the last 30, 40 years, I'm in the plastic bag business, business that my father was in. And um, we had many, many major accounts. and Noble, a lot of big accounts. We do department stores and chain stores. And that's how I make like. my Many years ago, my father was in Eric Shro and I was trying to get a huge, huge contract with a very big Company called Caldor in New York, big department stores, and I wanted to get their bank business. And I went after it, and I had meetings, whatever it is, and they were making a decision pretty much out of the best price, it was coming from Israel, whatever, we had everything, everything was lined up, but I didn't have the order yet. We know in business until you got the order, until you get paid, until you make the deposit in the bank, it's all stories. Until so right? the check clears, right? Until the check clears, <laughs> right. So, I called my father, he goes to a seeking. He said, Tati, Tomorrow they're making a decision on who they're giving the order to. It's a three-year contract. And that's that's panasam. Could you go oh, when you daven, could you daven that there should be lots of pain, and they should like my and they should give me an order? And he says, You never daven for a certain thing. Ever. I'm like, I know. But that I should get capital. <laughs> he said, I should get the, I should get the account says, what you doubt for is Hashem, if this is good for me, if it's good for me, I'm asking you to help me out and give it to me. If it's not good for me, make sure I don't go near it. I'm not happy with that. I'm a young guy. I'm not happy with that prayer. Okay. Next day, the buyer says, we didn't decide yet. Next day, the buyer says, we didn't decide yet. Next day, something's wrong. (laughs) Finally, he calls me up and he says, I'm really sorry, Mr. Wallerstein, But when I brought your contract to the CEO to sign, he said, oh, bags? We're buying bags? I have a nephew in that business. He gave gave my prices to the nephew. Goodbye. You don't have the order. I was broken. I already spent the money. I was already coming to Florida. I had all spent. (laughs) I was buying a house in Miami. It was all spent. I called on my father and said, shiitake. You see what happened? You didn't doubt it for me. Now look what happened. And don't tell me it's that good for me. It's a huge contract. The father says, you never dive in for something specific. You don't doubt I want to marry that guy. You don't, you don't do that because that guy might be the very wrong guy. And you know what? Well, if it's wrong, why would I actually give it to you because you done for it? So, to make a long story short, that contract was given in January. The following... Is set right after Christmas, Calder went chapter 11. I would have been out because they third quarter they buy all their bags. I would have been out probably three to four million dollars. I couldn't handle three to four million dollars. I would have lost the whole business. Baruch Hashem, my father didn't dime for Calder. He doubted what's good for his son, good or bad. There was a company, that's just, this was told to me two weeks ago. There was a company called FXCM. FxCM was a platform for trading money, monetary platform. The story of FxCM is an amazing story. I know all four partners. I used to take my high school girls, who are struggling, went through all types of abuse and things like that, and have no hope until they come to our school, and I wanted to take them to a place where a person who came from nowhere became a multi-multi-multi. And one of the owners, Eddie, of FXCM, was a taxi driver, and he used to drive one of these car services. A guy from Wall Street, he would take out to Jersey, to Saddle River. This multimillionaire, millionaire he would take him out. He would take him out after work, and he would pick him up in the morning. And this multimillionaire would sit in the back; he would be on the phone the whole time, talking about trading and how to trade and platforms and all this other stuff. And this taxi driver, a Bukhari, who came from Bukhari with not a penny, who wanted to be English. Started to listen. And started to learn. And started to talk. What does that mean? What does that mean? How did that go? How did you do that? Very smart guy, Eddie. And then Eddie built a platform that knocked this guy out of business that was 15 times the size. FXCM was the platform where any person could trade money from your computer. This was the platform. And we went to meet Eddie because he was telling my girls I couldn't speak English, I was a taxi driver. But if you want to be successful, he's not a firm guy, if you want to be successful, his other three partners are. Anyway, they went up, they went up, I came to visit them on Wall Street, they had a thousand people working on the floor, 10,000 computers. It was the actual floor for trading funds for the whole world, Russian, everything. These guys, they a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. They helped me, but they gave millions and millions and millions and millions of yeshivas and khalos and millions of dollars in Saddam. A year and a half ago, they woke up in the morning, these multi-millionaires, with this huge company, and found out that they have nothing. Something in the monetary trading in Europe changed, and because of that, everyone had to sell out. And when everyone sold out, the company didn't have enough money to give to the people who were selling out. Everybody was dumping. They hit a, a, a level that you, you you have to be at a certain level to be in existence. They hit that level, went below that level. The FCC closed them down. The SEC closed them down. They were closed down. Finished. And everything they had, zero. Closed the company. Lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Over. Finished. William one of the partners who are very close to was in my house. Two weeks ago we were talking about we had such a good yeshiva. And I I like to understand people. I talk to Holocaust survivors. I stand by the ocean and talk to waves. You know, when I tell you? <laughs> I said, William, you gotta tell, you gotta answer me something. You gave so much tzedakah. you guys, you four, so much money. You guys are such good, such good guys, and now all guy of this He lives in Great Neck, he drives a regular car, they're not flashing, I mean, Eddie was a flash, but the rest of them, the firm ones, they're not flashing anyone, I'm like, I want to understand how you deal with God. Because Baruch you took me from nowhere. He's, He's Persian, he came from Persia, he escaped Iran through the border. He came, he told me, with his pants and his shirt, and that's it. God built you up into this huge company you had so much money, you gave so much charity, you built so many yeshivas, and then one morning you wake up and you get a full bottle, you're finished. We're taking everything. How do you talk to Hashem? He said, You want to know how I talk to Hashem? He said, I'll tell you my story. And this is what I'm trying to tell you by putting out your hand, and that's not up to us. He said, When I first went to work, He's very smart, he went to school, he learned the business. At that time, they had just started trading monetary funds. And he would sit at a table, a huge table, with 30 brokers around the table, and they would trade. What do you have, what do you have, what do you need, what do you need? They would trade. They were in a big office, and they were traders. That's how he made a living. And the guy that sat next to him, sat next to him for 10 years, he was not a non- Jewish guy, the guy was brutal. And he helped William make money that one day a huge company approached the guy next to William and said we want to build the biggest and best fund trading. We want you to hire a team for our company and we will pay whatever these people want. We want to be the best. He said, When I heard that, this is my buddy. When I heard that, this guy was just next to me to my right. I know he's going to hire me. I'm going to get ten times the amount I was getting in this little place. He hires the guy next to him. Hires to the guy to his right. He hires the girl across from him. He hires the guy in the corner. There were thirty people around that table. He hires fifteen people. That is the team. He said, "I'm sitting there and I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting." We went out to eat, we talked. My wife, we are been sitting next to each other for 10 years. So I'm figuring I'm going to be the last one he's going to hire to close the whole team. I'm going to get the most money. <coughs> one day, someone at the, at the table says, you know, uh, Harry, stop hiring. They have their team. I said, what? He didn't hire me? I
1: can't believe this.
0: He said, I've lost him for six months. I was talking to Hashem, I'm like, I understand. I'm about you, he's about you. About you, I escaped. I ran. I worked myself up to this. the guy sitting next to me. He he hired a whole team. I'm saying you can do this. He said. Then I was very young. I said, How shall I get used to me? I'm doing everything right. He said for six months I marched in to untouch I was so angry. I was so upset. A year and a half later. A year and a half later. When the first plane hit the World Trade Center, it hit the 78th floor. The, gym. the gym. It was to Fitzgerald that was building this team. Every one that was at his table <coughs> died. <coughs> the plane didn't hit above, the plane didn't hit below. The plane hit where they were sitting. He said, September 11th I turned to Hashem and I said, how could have I doubted you for those six months? Every one of them died. Except for me. Why didn't he hire me? I'll never know why didn't he hire me. We were best friends. Hashem put in his head that he doesn't need me. Lo, I'm loho, it's not, it's not up to us. Just put your hand out and you'll get a motion. Just put your hand out and jump into the yam. And the yam will split. It's the same thing with Tu B'Shvat. I don't have the time. Tu is the same thing. It's a very big question why we celebrate Tu B'Shvat in the winter. It's like, Happy New Year, trees! Okay, not in Florida, but in New York. <laughs> Happy New Year, trees! You went outside, dead! Icicles dripping from them. Snow! Happy New Year? Happy New Year it should be in the spring when there's flowers and leaves or in the summer when there's fruit. Happy New Year? To a dead tree. <laughs> I talk to my girls, and I'm talking went to at Israel, I'm talking about this everywhere. What is true? We as Jews, we do not celebrate a goal. We do not celebrate the fruit. We celebrate the potential. There's a bracha in the month of Nisan that you make on a flowering fruit tree. Why don't you make a buckle on the fruit? Why a flower? Because Jews don't celebrate the goal. Jews celebrate the effort. Jews celebrate the potential. Greeks and Western civilization and the Super Bowl. Don't celebrate the effort, how hard the teams worked, how hard everyone in the Olympics, they missed it by an eighth of a second. You'll never make it up to a Wheaties or Cheerio box. You're a nobody if you don't have a goal. Thousands of people working, training since they're little kids. But the Greeks said, you're either a winner or a loser. There's nothing in between. It's a goal or nothing. And we bring up our children and we're brought up in America this way. There's a game called the Super Bowl. And whoever wins the Super Bowl, the rest of them sit there and cry. Why are you crying? You worked so hard to get here. Why are you big boy? Why are you crying? Because they didn't get the ring. It's all about the ring. It's not about the work. It's not about the effort. It's not about the training. They haven't been training for nine months. It's all about winner or loser, and that has it's a different share. That has snuck into us. Found Why didn't you get a hundred? Why didn't you get a ninety? Why didn't you call me here? Why didn't you lose weight? You gotta be the best. You gotta be the best. You gotta be the best. That's not Judaism. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a Ligmar. It means you shouldn't you don't have to finish the job. It means it's only effort. It's all about effort. I used to come to Yeshiva. My Rebbe gave me four pages on Gomorrah. I had to write a whole Gomorrah. We had to write a whole thing on, 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 on a stick of And I came with one page. He said, Wallace, what's wrong with you? I said, Dimashna! Lord, I'm, I'm not the lightweight. I'm not supposed to finish. He threw me out. <laughs> he said, that's not what Division was talking about. And that's the problem of, of our whole our whole system. And Everyone doesn't feel adequate. I'm not the richest. I'm not the prettiest. I, I, I'm not married. I, I, I'm my children are a little bit, whatever. It's all about the goal, the goal, not the effort. And I got up at the Goody Convention and I said, You know what? There's two sides to the report card. One side of the report card is the marks, and one side of the report card is effort, behavior, conduct. They should have, they should have, keep it of the aim mark. Wouldn't that be great? Keep it of the aim. How do you treat your parents? If it was a subject, it would be perfect. It's not a subject, so what I, have to, what I have to be nice to my parents. I don't get a report card around that. So the whole system doesn't work. I'm already. 40 years, I started when I was 20, I I'm 60. 40 years of teaching. It's the most unfair thing, education is the most un, and if there's some teachers in here, it's the most unfair thing that we get ever do to children. I have 25 boys in my class. Every one of them has a different IQ. I got one guy with 135, I got another guy with a 95 IQ. And I give all 25 the same test, and I teach all 25. How can the guy with 135 IQ and the guy with 95 IQ, how, how, how are they supposed to get the same mark? And the guy that has a memory, he doesn't forget anything, and the other guy's mother has to put his name in his underwear because he'll forget that it's his underwear.
1: <laughs> and then one kid
0: has the most dysfunctional home, he cuts on the bus every day, his food is inade, his mother's depressed she's in her bed, her father's yelling, get out of the bed, and she's calling him, you fat thing, and he's screaming, they're screaming at each other, this poor kid comes onto the bus, he's shaking, his father's like, I'm not coming home tonight, he thinks he's really never going to see his father again, because kids think everything for real, and he sits in my class, and Then I have a kid, with some more perfect family, mother and father get to have a good day, they kiss each other, and he gets his little food, wrapped up in everything and everything's chilled and beautiful and he sits in my class and everything's great I'm pretty it next to the other kid and I'm giving them the same test and I'm giving them the same work it doesn't work, it can't work any logical person, any scientist, anybody can, it can't work one guy has a bigger IQ, one guy coming shaking what's going on at home, he's thinking about that the whole time, right one guy has a crazy memory and then you give them all the same test and you mark them according to each other in other words, if my 95, my 95 IQ, or my 90 IQ, who's really suffering, is really having a hard time, he's only getting a 60 because he's getting the same test as the guy who's getting the 100. So it's really a 60 percent. He's 60 percent of the 100 student, but the 100 student has 145 IQ and he has 95. So what do you mean 60 percent of him? He's 100 percent of who he is. That's why is not getting an The System doesn't work. It doesn't work. So yes, worth for the 100, 95, 145 IQ with a great memory and a great family. Ha <laughs> yay. But the kid with Nebus doesn't have so much brains, and he's shaky when he gets to school, and he doesn't have such a good memory, but he plums, and he works. And on the left side of the report card it says, Effort, A. Conduct, A. Interrelationship, relationship, A. And everything on that side is an A. So if, you, if you're a teacher, and you give this kid an elephant effort, how could you give him on the right side report on anything under 100? If his effort is 100%, then he's 100% in his marks. You can't compare it to the other kids. So if a kid gets an R of an effort, or an A in effort, the guy's really plugging, just doesn't have the brains, then everything on the other side should be 100. So I got up to go the at Convention. I said, take the report card when you get it, rip it in half, decide that has conduct and behavior, well, to the parents and the kids and the one that has all the other marks because the kid doesn't have such a night. fold it up, go there to Israel, put it in the kaiso Hashem, that is your mark you gave my kid a 95 like you, you gave him no memory he's from a dysfunctional family here's a message that's your mark, Hashem, it's not my mark and everybody looked at me and said yeah, why, you're going to change the system? you can't change the system well, I'm like, I don't intend to change the system but the parents need to change the system in their house. They need to change the system, because at the end of the day, no matter what your teachers think of you, or your principal thinks of you, if you're doing the hardest that you can and your parents are showing you appreciation, and that they love you and that's all they expect from you, who cares what the teachers say? We care what our parents say. I have 40 years experience. If a parent is positive and folks positive to their children, children will have a good, positive life. And if you talk negative, they will be depressed and anxious and have all the problems that that kids have. So really, no, Rabbi Wallstein cannot change the system but he can change the parents. And that is the system that counts. Tu Bishvat is amazing. Because you're sitting and you're eating fruit from a tree I was dead last year. Of course, not dead, but looked dead last year. So this apple, that I make the word of your eggs, you came from that tree that no one believed in, because you had no leaves, you were dead. But your potential from the winter to the fruit is the longest time of potential. From the blossom to the apple, is already much shorter, and the apple, once it's there, there is no more potential. And that's why we celebrate weddings, crazy weddings. I just heard about one in New York. Crazy weddings! Half a million dollars, a million dollars, fifty pieces, flowers, all kinds of mices. I have a friend, that when he sends the present to the Fasan and before the wedding, he postdates it five years. (laughs) He just wrote a check for a wedding, right? He wrote $180, and he dated it January 23! 2023! I said, that's a chutzpah, why are you doing that? said, listen, I don't know if this marriage is going to work. <laughs> uh, <no way. laughs> After a year, they get divorced. Now, he gets remarried, I'll send him another present. She gets remarried, i got to send her another present. You <laughs> want me to cast my other present? No way! Let <laughs> us stay married for five years. I'm going put my check in. <laughs> so the question we all ask is, you know what? Why are we spending so much money on a wedding? How do we know this is going to last? Why don't we spend the money on the 50th anniversary?
1: Right. <laughs> the 50th anniversary, Mosh
0: Hashem, children, grandchildren, grandchildren, great grandchildren, and the miracle of a man and woman living together for 50 years to face this. feelings in this household, right? We should have taken out a party, 20 piece band, right? Okay, they so may not be able to hear the band, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and make the biggest, biggest party! And the answer is potential. If they're 50 years, they should be married 80 years. But the potential of how long more they're going to be married is much less than the potential of that young couple that went under the chuppah. They're both 21 years old. Their potential is another 80 years. We celebrate Jews. We celebrate potential. To Even though the tree has nothing, it's bare, or it's dead, we celebrate the potential of this tree. You know the fruits that I'm eating right now? The 15 fruits that I'm eating of all the nuts? That came from a tree that last during this when I have my food in front of me, last well, year, looked dead. That's a Jew. A Jew is never giving up on their potential. One second of life. One second of life, we don't, we don't understand. I, I'll end with this. This is, this is wine bottle. This old man, he's 95 years old, not so old. And he had a major stroke, and he's totally brain dead. He's 95 years old, brain dead in a hospital on tubes, whatever it is, DNR, whatever, it is. He's, he's not here, they took every single test, he's not here, His heart is beating, but that's it, and that, even that's with help. And that was a boy, he's 21 years old, just got married, his wife is pregnant, he gets into a car accident, and they need a liver, and they go to the rabbis, and they say, you know, this old man, he, he spent his life, he's 95, he finished shots 10 times, he built things. He did so much in his life. His great grand. Everything's amazing, fantastic. Take his liver. Save a, 20, a young twenty-one-year-old His whole potential is ahead of him. His wife's pregnant. You know, he. Well, how he, 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 he made it this far? No rabbi will allow it. Why not? Why not? You got a twenty-one-year-old guy. You got a ninety-five-year-old guy. He's not even hearing. What's the potential? I heard this story. Over well, my mind is blown. What's the potential of the 95 year old guy? They're going to wake up. Okay, they're on miracles, the miracles. But here they're saying like, no. What's the potential of the 21 year old guy? Children, grandchildren to see this child finishing up. Millions of things. Why, Hashem, can't we take this liver and give it to this guy? So I asked my seminary girls, tell me the potential of the 95 year old guy he can't get up he can't down he can't walk he can't do anything and they said I don't know what is the potential of the 95 year old guy the potential of 95 year old guy is his children his grandchildren his great-grandchildren happening they should have forced labor every feeling while he's alive they should have a forced labor they're taking on themselves they should have forced label they even a person who's brain dead, a Jew, at 95, and they, and they don't think he's ever going to live again, his potential is, is going to cause other people to die. in. Don't you dare touch his liver. The potential of a person, the potential of a Jew, is so amazing. In Baruch Hashem, we're not brain dead. And we have time, and we have life, and there's so much we can do. Even when you don't think, you can make it happen. It's God's job. I run, a, I run an organization called Or where I said, we make a dinner every single year. 700 people, 750 people. It's our big fundraiser. Six years ago, I found the best gift of honor. I knew that we would get a lot of money from them. They need to bring two tables. I was very excited. I called the hall, the Prospect Hall, very expensive hall, beautiful hall. It's an opera. I reserved 750 seats. Chandelier is a gorgeous place. I called my caterer. I reserved 750 places. We were very excited, but it was a very bad year. Because it was the first time I made a dinner in June. I always made my dinner in Svira, but we couldn't make it in Svira, so I made it in June. And everyone said, June? Weddings, graduation. I'm like, there's always something. Two weeks before the dinner, my two secretaries were at dinner at Walsh, we need to talk to you. Right? What's going on? We got a problem with the dinner. What's wrong? So if it's two weeks to the dinner, we have 140 reservations. I need I need 700. And I said, what? You have 140 couples? No. Yeah. We have 70 couples, and some of them are your staff. They're not even paying. I said, you know what? They said, if you want to, if you ever want to get these guests of honor to ever give you money, you better cancel. <coughs> if they come to a dinner with 200 people, they're not giving you any money. So cancel it, make it next year. We told you not to do it in June. I got the whole schools. Should have done it in June. I I it. Okay. Tuesday morning, quarterbacks. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You go to school. And all the guys know, you don't want to ask Because all the ideas come to the Right? We don't, we don't even know... In the middle of that, I say Shema Kalman in the I say, Shema Eshre, you get every business idea, every idea. It's unbelievable. I, because of what I do, I get so many ideas that before I say Shema <laughs> Eshre, I say, Tulsa Dach. <laughs> I say, what about Shem Baja I say, the prayer for travelers. And then, sometimes when I finish, I went so far, I am the benchmark me. Shema I have a friend that any idea that comes to one an yesterday, he won't use it in the business. But I'm not like that. So many <laughs> times you finish one, answer, you do remember? Did I say it? Did I not say What did I say? No, but, said the one modin, I said the little modem, I said the big more did. The guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. Women mostly they, they concentrate whatever. their own. guy next to me finish it? Am I the last one? Is the cousin waiting for me? Okay. There's a lot of things that go on here. So I go to me and something like the chef, help me out. Do I make the dinner or don't I make the dinner? Because if I don't make the dinner, I cancel even worse. So I don't know what to do. So I go to the ministry, I dab it, and of course it's the first one in my life that nothing comes into my head. Only translating the word, I'm trying, trying to, nothing. I come out of the I'm like, that's not fair. That's not fair, Every day you, give me now you give me an idea. Okay, I leave. I am a simple and chick, very serious rabbi. She sees me going back to my office from Shabbos, and he says, Why do you look so depressed? I'm like, Rabbi, don't mess with me right now. <laughs> I got 70 couples coming to my dinner in two weeks. Every one of my friends, I got a wedding, I got a mitzvah. One guy told me I got a bris. I'm like, wait, you have a bris? in <laughs> <laughs> so two weeks, do you have a bris? <laughs> nobody wanted to come. Why Why does nobody want to So I go back, I'm on my way back to 53. I'll I have to tell you a story i okay, he's not a storyteller. celebrate you. So, he's not a storyteller. So, I'll tell you a story. It was this guy, Yonko. He was a farmer. He was a peasant. He walks out of his house one day, and he has in front of his house a 25-ton boulder, a huge, boulder a huge boulder. A huge boulder, a huge rock. And he hears a voice, Yonko! Hey, is that you God? Yeah, God! Listen, I want you to push that boulder as hard as you can for the next half hour. Shep tells you to push a boulder, you push a boulder. She goes to the boulder, he starts pushing and pushing. Nobody's pushing a 25, there's no truck that could push a 25-ton boulder. After half an hour, he goes to work. This goes on every single day. For a year, he walks out. You're a shep? Yes. Push the boulder. Half an hour. For a whole year, he's pushing this boulder. Of course, it doesn't move. He's spitzy. The vents are popping out of his head. It's guy It's not going. One day he comes out. There's an angel mean looking angel, standing by the boulder. He says, "Yo, uncle, you know who I am?" He goes, "I don't know who are you." Goes, "I'm the sucker." You know they say I have no heart, that I'm very mean. I'm not so mean. You ever wonder why God is telling you to push a boulder that doesn't move?
1: He says, "I don't think when a shepherd tells you to do
0: something, I don't think about it." He says, "I'm going to tell you why because they do have a heart." A year ago, all the angels complained to God. You know, we work 24-7. We need some recess. We need a break. God said, you know what? Every day I'm going to give you a half an hour break. Comedy relief.
1: You're going to watch a
0: human being think that he could push a 25 hour break. God says, God made me comedy relief for the angels? He says, yes. And I have a heart. And that's why I'm telling you this. Next day, Yonko walks out. And he hears a voice. Yonko! You know what, Hashem? Push that boulder down as hard as you can. He goes, I found out what you're doing, God. You know
1: I can't move that boulder.
0: You're using me as
1: comedy and belief. And that's why this boulder will never move.
0: Hashem said, Did the Sultan tell you that?
1: He
0: said, Yes! Did you believe the Sultan giving them recess? Angels need recess. <laughs> they don't need recess.
1: Well, then why doesn't the boulder move?
0: It's so a story. And Hashem says, "I never told you to move the boulder. I told you to push the boulder. My job is to move the boulder. And Yaakov, you are the best boulder pusher since I created the world. No one has pushed a boulder harder than you. Really, really." He walks into the field, he's dancing, I am the best boulder pusher! <laughs> and the satan's standing there and the satan says, now what are you so happy about? What are you so excited about? What Hashem is telling you, is that you are the best doing nothing for half an hour a day. He's telling you that you're the best pusher of the boulder, but the boulder's not supposed to move. So like, what are you so happy about? And that was this guy didn't have such a high IQ. And he's like, I'm all mixed up. You know what, what are you already doing when you're all mixed up? You go to the bar. I'm going to go get myself drunk. I, I can't handle it. Oh, the sun's done. Yes, good night. I can't handle it. Comes around the turn, he's on his way to the town. And there's a lady standing by the street. And she's screaming, help, help, save my, save, save, please. Save my husband. He's underneath the wagon. He was changing the tire. And the wagon fell out. Said, please, please, go to town. Get four or five guys to lift the wagon. And we'll save his life. driver says, listen. Do I tell I get to town? It's a half an hour. To get back. He's going to be so dead. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lift the wagon, myself, and you pull him out. She goes, you don't understand, sir. There are 600 pounds of cement in that wagon. There's no human being, unless you're Superman, that can lift the wagon. The doctor says, listen, you got one chance here. I'm going to lift the wagon six inches, and you pull your husband out. And he bends down, and he starts to pull on this wagon. And all the muscles that he built for a year... His legs and his neck and his arms and his thighs that he built for pushing a bullet that would not move for a half an hour coming to play. And he lifts the wagon six inches and she pulls him out and her husband's taking his breathing. And she turns to him and says, who are you?
1: Are you Superman? He says, no. She goes, well, thank you so much.
0: He says, don't thank me. Thank you. 25 ton boulder in front of my house that just wouldn't move (laughs) what's the moral of the story moral of the story everybody is sometimes in life we have a lot of boulders and we dive in and we push and the boulder doesn't move and things stay the same or sometimes get even worse and we struggle and we push. I said, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you, why isn't this person getting healthier? Why isn't this kid coming back? Why, why isn't this person having children? Why is this person single? I'm struggling on this person. Why? I'm pushing, I'm doubting, I'm to Israel, I'm going to a Buka. I'm, 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 I'm like 10 minutes early the candles. I'm saying, sure, sure. I am pushing the boulder. I am struggling and it's not moving. Like It's not supposed to move! Your struggle is supposed to give you something called struggle muscle. And struggle muscle gives you the ability to carry otherness. And many of the traumas that I deal with, with girls and boys, and the trauma that I went through when I was in third grade, and the stuff that we go through, gives us the energy and the muscle to help others because we went through it. The bigger the struggle, the bigger the muscle, the more you can carry others. Not always is the bolder supposed to be. There are Holocaust survivors probably in this room. The Holocaust—I am not answering. I have no idea. But there's one thing I know about the Holocaust: the Jewish nation never, in the history of the Jewish nation, struggled. The way we struggled in their Holocaust. And the Holocaust survivors that came out of Auschwitz and everything that they went through had such struggle muscle that they carried the generations that are here today in America when there was nothing. It was a midbar, there was no Judaism, was nothing here. That struggle muscle that they went through is the shoulders that we are all on. Why it happened, I can't tell you. Why the boat didn't move for all those years? I cannot tell you. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. My parents went through the Holocaust, my inlaws went through the Holocaust. Let me tell you, these people had a lot of struggle with us. And they came to America and they did not take no for an answer. And they understood better than anyone else. That's not up to us. We need to push. If God wants to move it, he'll move it. And if he doesn't want to move it, we'll build the muscle. End of story. How did the dinner go? Not Wall of Shem is my witness. The biggest dinner
1: or Nava ever had.
0: We did not have enough cheers. There were over 800 people at that dinner. Why? What happened? The word went out. No one's was No one's coming and that is going to be embarrassed and that these people are going to be embarrassed and how can you do this to Wallerstein and he's doing all this for the girl. went. Well, to make a long story short every one of my friends they left the wedding early they left the graduation early and all these people came and when they walked in the place was full He walked over to me and he said you set this up
1: <laughs> you were
0: probably full for the last two months and you let out a rumor that nobody was coming I'm like, guys with two weeks left, I had 70 reservations. And they're like, no, it's not true, it's not true. So I tried it the next year, it didn't work. <laughs> 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 Tubishvah is about potential. Moshe well, Shabeno's name is about potential. Put your hand out. Give it a shot. Do your best. The rest is up to the When you make that bracha on the fruit, remember that fruit came from a tree, and at the same time, last year looked dead. And may we all be zaytesemet Hashem to celebrate Tu Bishvat with bikurim. Same thing: the farmer puts a little red thing where the fruit's going to grow. It's all about potential. That's all it's about. All about potential. And everyone in this room, you have crazy potential. Bibles, Babel's, Bibles. Zayn's great-grandfather. You are a resource that we did not have. My generation had no grandparents. They are all passed away. You are an unbelievable resource. Kids, the safe place of a child is by his grandparents. There's great grandparents. They love them. You're not supposed to discipline them. It's a safe place. I cannot tell you how many children from dysfunctional families, their grandparents, their zabies, and their bobbies saved their lives. Brought them up. Saved their lives with a place that they could go. Don't ever say that my Kinnah is over after bringing up my children. Doesn't say that anywhere in the title. My father told me, my father passed away. Actually, his yard said is next week. My father passed away. I remember he said to me, he said, he said, I just want you to know that even after I'm not in this world, if you do some more, I'm coming back. And you do <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to get you. This <laughs> is never over. But Hashem gave you a long life. You know, your children, just give them love. Just give them love. There's such a need in this generation, in this world, just to be told, I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm, I'm so happy that I had you as my grandchild. I had you as my child. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the most important thing, it happened here in Florida where a man told me, his mother never, I had a speech here in Florida, It was an older man that people probably here know, very wealthy, very famous man, he came over to me, he was listening in the back before forth, he said, my mother went through the Holocaust, she had nine children in Europe with a husband, they all got killed, and I'm the only son, I want you to know that my mother never said I love you, and then by my wedding I went to my my father, I said, what's with mom, what's with mom, I'm getting married, he said, your mother loves you more than anything else in the world. She can't tell it to you because she really feels in her heart that it might happen again. And if she's going to get so close to you like she was to her other children, you're going to be ripped away from her again. So I, I'm telling you, as a father, she loves you more than anything else in the world. He said to me, you know who I am, and you know everything I've done, and you know how much money I have, and the cover and everything I have. He said, you know, Wallace, was one day in business. and made over $200 million one day in two buildings in Manhattan. I thought... That I was a king I thought that was a day he said three days before my mother passed away three days I was in the hospital and she said to me I'm just make up a name Avramalom I have to tell you something I come next to my bed She said in my heart I'm an older man my heart was beating I was like oh my gosh my mother's going to tell me that she loves me after all these years and he pulls next to his mother and his mother said Avramalom I just want to tell you something he's like yeah ma I just want to tell you that I'm very proud to be your mother you never said I love you. Just, I'm very proud to be your mother. My mother died three days later. She said, "Remember, Wallsey, listen to me. Tell all your students. Tell all the parents. I have children. I have grandchildren. I'm a head of organizations. I made that kind of money in one day. Nothing. It's all nothing. Compared to that moment that my mother told me, I want you to know understand. It's all nothing. It's not even in the same what game." To tell parents and grandparents, no matter how old they are, to tell their children, I love you. I document that I should have children and you're one of them. And when, whether we got along or we didn't get along, it doesn't make a difference. You are part of me. You are the most important thing in my life. Because when you tell that to a child or to a grandchild, it doesn't matter when other people say other things to them. It's, believe me, I can tell you, none of the relationships my fault. It's a bulletproof vest. They will never be depressed. They will never be anxious. And no teacher and no principal and no friend can ever tell them anything. Because you know what? In the end, in their hearts, like, I don't really care about all of you. My mother and father think the greatest thing that ever happened to you, to them. I don't care about anyone else. It doesn't matter. You're giving them a bulletproof vest. Don't wait until it's too late. And tell your parents and your grandparents, well, you're the most precious thing in my life, to have a mother and father. And you know one special thing. And I love you. Don't wait till they're in a box. People get up at the but I'm so sorry, Ma! I should have given you more time. And I should have gone visit you. And I, I, I didn't talk to you enough. And I sit there. I'm like, you're talking to a box. <laughs> She's not alive. I don't know if she hears you or not. or what level. But is isn't much nicer to say to her, give her a kiss and get a hug and feel her skin <laughs> and be able to... to connect to her. You're waiting to someone to relax. I tell this to 17, 18-year-old girls. I'm like, are you crazy? you crazy? Go give her a hug, go give her a kiss. I'll tell her you love her. You have little children, the first, the last of these before they go to sleep at night. <gasps> you are the most precious thing I have. You and your brothers. There's nothing else, not even myself, even my new iPhone <laughs> X. <laughs> Doesn't come near you. I would die for you. You are, you are my dream. You will always be my dream. When a kid wakes up in the morning, you're up! Wow, it's a great day already. I don't care what happens. My baby got up. You're away. I love you. I'm a rebbe. I'm telling you, they go to school. You're a different person. I doubt it that you come out of my mouth what you need to hear. Somebody in this room needs to hear because if you read my notes, it's not even in there. Show them you love. Tell them what you love. You're either at Boston standing in front of you tonight because I have such a follow. who's your second next week. He told his children. I prayed for you for a long time since I'm a young guy that I would have children. And I want you to know there's nothing more precious in my life than Zachariah, and Sheila, the three of you. Nothing. Money, nothing. It's just my boys and my girl. You have to give that over. He's the man that made me my hand, and I'm nothing compared to him. And you can do this for your kids. Put out your hand, and the Yahweh split. Together.